even in the simple moments of everyday life. A lot can be going on that we don't ever notice. But if we'll take the time, the everyday becomes extraordinary as we lean in and look closer. Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the creative pastor here. And can we just start by giving God some praise again? It's just so... It's so good to be together. It's so good to see the stories that God's telling right here in our church. It just brings such uh, an incredible energy. And uh, not that anybody's asking, but last week when I got home from church, it was 92 degrees in my house. And if you don't know this about me, I'm from Alaska, which means that I hate the heat and the heat hates me. I have this working kind of formula or a theory that every degree that the heat goes up above 70 is a degree that my attitude, my outlook, and my general godliness and likability goes down. So when it gets to 92, it's not just bad for me, it's bad for my family. It's, it's some of those days they're like, is this guy even saved? He's very irritable and whiny. But last week, I don't know about you, but I was glued to my weather app. I was checking the temperature and I guess I didn't really know why because it doesn't change anything. If anything, I just wanted to know what the temperature was so that I could complain more accurately. <laughs> but what I noticed is this in the weather app and on all of the websites, it doesn't just tell you how hot it is, it tells you how hot it feels like. And so maybe uh, you know what I'm talking about, but it won't just say it's 95 degrees outside. No, it says it's 95 degrees and it feels like a bucko too. And I thought that was interesting that professional weather services would, would talk about what it feels like. It kind of made me wish that they would have gotten a little bit more creative and taken it a step further. And I, I don't know, maybe say something like it's 95 degrees outside and it feels like I'm slowly drifting into madness. Or I don't know, it's 99 and it kind of feels like there's a mean kid up in the sky with a magnifying glass trying to set me on fire. <laughs> because if you wanna know what it feels like, that's what it feels like in my house. It's 92 and it feels like I'm being punished, but I don't know what I did wrong. It feels like I'm an ice cream cone that's melting away into nothingness. It feels like I just wanna fight somebody and I don't know why. No, okay, that's all right, just me. <laughs> Like, man, that guy's got issues. <laughs> well, that's what it feels like. But you see, the problem with it feels like statements is that they're real, but they're not always right. The problem with it feels like, and even Google knows this, if you type the words don't trust your into Google, the first word that pops up is your feelings, and the second word is your heart. So it feels like it's a great place if you want to vent, but it's a horrible place that you want to live because the reality is feelings are real, friends, but they're not always reality. And feelings are real, but they're not always reliable. And feelings are real, but they're not always true. That's why feelings are a place that a lot of us get stuck. We feel more than we actually know. And today we're looking at a story where Jesus is telling us about some workers who feel as though they've been mistreated. They feel as though they've been overlooked. And, and I'm excited for today's story. I've been reading it the last couple weeks and, and praying for you and praying for our collective hearts. And I'm just convinced that this isn't just a story. This is the story for today. This is the story for you. And this is the story that God wants to use to speak to me. 
And so if you have a Bible or an app, you can open it to uh, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be starting in verse 1. It's a story that's called the workers in the vineyard, and it causes a lot of us to feel a lot of strong feelings. And so I'm going to start in verse 1. You can read along with me, otherwise it's going to be up on the screen. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, which was a day's wage, and sent them into the vineyard. Then about nine in the morning, so a little bit later, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. Then he goes back out at noon and again at three in the afternoon and does the same thing. Verse six, about five in the afternoon, he goes out again and finds more workers that are standing around. He asks, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They say, because no one has hired us. And so the landowner says, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and then moving to the first. And so the workers who were hired at five o'clock, so that's about an hour before the end of the day, came and they each received a denarius. They each received a denarius, which is a full day's pay. So when those came who had been hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began grumbling against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, and yet you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, and he said, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? So take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. And then I love these last two verses. It says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or get this, are you envious because I'm generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? Final verse, so the last will be first and the first will be last. That's what this story is all about. Jesus says, the last will be first and the first will be last. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we just come before you thankful. God, thankful that we get to witness stories, God, of life change, God, of death to life, of burial and resurrection. Jesus, you are so faithful and you are so good. Even in the seasons where it feels like you are far, you are so close to us, we don't even know. You're closer than our skin. You are in us, God, and you are working through us. And Jesus, we are just thankful this morning to get to celebrate you, to get to listen to you, to get to love you and worship you. And Jesus, we just pray that today would not just be a sugar rush, that it would actually transform us to our core and we would leave changed people who look more like you and who are more captivated by the work you're calling us to do in this world. God, we are not here to be entertained. We are here to be transformed. So Jesus, would you do that work in us? God, would you actually allow us to wrestle with you in such a way that we change? Lord, we do not want to stay the same. We want to look more like you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I want you to look at your neighbor right now. And I want you to tell him the title of my message. I want you to tell him, life's not fair. If you're uh, at home, if you're in the chat, I want you to write that in the chat. I want you to say, life's not fair. We don't always get what we deserve, and sometimes the people who deserve less than us get more than us, and it's frustrating. 
I've come to realize that I have a strong sense of justice and it's never stronger than when I'm in bumper to bumper traffic. <laughs> There's just something about that environment that really allows me to be in tune with the sin of the world. When I'm in my car, I become increasingly convinced that everyone else on the road is trying to make my life a living heck. And yeah, I say heck because I don't want emails. And I don't really like throwing around words like road rage because I don't think that really describes what happens in my heart. But if I am being honest, I do tend to get a little bit excited when people cut me off. I'm not proud of it, but if I really have to sit here and admit to you, I do get heated from time to time when people stay in the lane that they're supposed to merge out of to get ahead of those God-fearing people who are waiting their turn like you're supposed to. And all God's people said, amen. I believe... It's a righteous anger that wells up in me and anyone like me in those moments. And I'll admit that from time to time, though, I do let myself get a little bit carried away. I mean, nothing crazy, but I do act out. I don't give people the bird because I'm a pastor and I don't want that picture out on the Internet. <laughs> Instead, what I do is I just kind of lift my hands like this and just give them the most judgmental Christian look I know how to give. It's just like which for the record, my wife hates, but when she says, Brian, you look crazy, put your hands down, I just turned it over to her and it says. <laughs> but real talk, nothing brings me more joy than when I see one of these jabronis who cut me off on the freeway get pulled over by a cop. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had this great pleasure, but I've had this experience multiple times because God is good and he loves me. All that I can say is without question, it is euphoric. It is better than good. It is like a kiss from the king. It's like winning the lottery. It's like a fresh pair of socks. It's the middle of the night when you flip that pillow over and get that cool, cool side when you're hot. Every time it happens, my soul wells up with joy and my hope in that moment is that the cop would show no mercy to this menace to society and write the biggest ticket possible. And that's what I feel like in my heart of hearts he should do. Because I don't know about you, but I want justice and I want it now. And I want this person to pay for what they've done to me, both physically and mentally. Now here's where things get interesting. When the picture gets flipped, when it's me who gets pulled over, when it's me who gets caught speeding, not that I do, but hypothetically if I did, it's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy how quickly my theology of justice flips on its head. It's crazy how fast I turn into a grace guy and I start reciting verses I didn't even know that I had recognized and about forgiveness and love that I conveniently forgot while the other guy was on the side of the road. But now that it's me, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that the right thing for the officer to do is to let me off the hook. And I've learned that when it's them on the side of the road, what I really want is justice, but when it's me, what I want is grace. And I know it's inconsistent, but it's the way that I feel. And it's a tension that we all live with. It's a double standard. We want what's fair for them, but we want favor for us. Nod your heads if you know what I'm talking about. I see you at home. And so Jesus tells this story and it's directly speaking to this double standard in each of our hearts where we want different for others than we do for ourselves. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a landowner who hires workers for his vineyard. And even though they all work different amounts of time, they all get the same pay. And if that creates attention in you, good, it's supposed to. Because it's not fair. 
Life is not fair. But here's what I want us to see and really wrestle with. This story is unfair, but it's not the way that you think it is. So we're going to go back to the beginning of the story. It says, for the kingdom of heaven, just listen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. It says he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. And so I want us to focus on that word agreed. That's important. The workers agreed to the terms. They talk it out. They know exactly what they're working for. And yet when you fast forward to the end of the story, they get paid exactly what they were promised. And yet they still feel cheated. Why would they feel cheated? Well, it's because they find out that the other people who did less work than them got paid the same amount, which is unfair. Yes, but this is what we tend to miss. This story isn't unfair because somebody was cheated. It's actually unfair because somebody was blessed. It's not that somebody got underpaid. It's that a bunch of people got overpaid, and that actually makes a big difference. So I remember the first time I ever went to Chipotle. I ordered a double steak burrito with corn salsa, extra pico, and guac. Is that important to the story? No, it is not. But I must have been hungry when I wrote this. But I remember in this first experience, I was so overwhelmed by the size of the burrito looking back at me. It was so beautiful. I felt like my whole life had led up to this moment. And I went to pay. I had my card out. And then the guy behind the counter actually reached out and he gave me three free burrito coupons. I can just still remember it like it was yesterday. And I had this card out and he shook his head no. And then I took one of the coupons and he shook his head yes. And then he kind of nodded as if, okay, you can go along your way now. And I just, I just remember the joy that was welling up in my heart. It was elated. It was like proof that God uh, loved me and I've never been more sure about it in my life. But, but here's the question. Here's why I tell you that. If you came in later that day and you had to pay for your burrito, would you say that you were mistreated or would you say that I was blessed? blessed. I love it. We're actually talking together today. This is wonderful. You were not mistreated. I was blessed. Yes, we got another one. Anybody in the back? No? Okay. <laughs> you see, this is where we misunderstand the story. We think that this story is about somebody being cheated by God, but it's actually a story about people being blessed by God. And the question that it poses to us is how do we respond when other people get blessed? See the story? Yeah, we got another blessed. Any? No? Okay. I'm going to stop doing that. Two times was enough, right? Okay. Not responding that time. Okay. And so the question that it poses is what do we do when other people get blessed? And for a lot of us, it's not that God hasn't been faithful to us. It's that we struggle with how generous he's been towards others. A lot of times that's what we wrestle with. It's not that we've been cheated. It's that others in our eyes have actually received more than they deserve. And that's what we wrestle with. So instead of celebrating the fact that God is generous, instead what we tend to do is grumble because it doesn't feel fair to us. It doesn't feel like it should. And scripture says, I'm going to go back to verse 8. It says, when evening came, this is where they're getting uh, paid out for their day's work. The owner of the vineyard came and said to the foreman, call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and going to the first. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, this is what it says, they expected to receive more. 
They, they, say, they, they saw the people who got hired at the end of the day get a denarius, and then they go up and they figure since they only worked a little bit and I worked a lot, I should get more. They expected to receive more. But, but what we have to notice is that their expectation wasn't built on what the owner said. It was rooted in what they saw happen to other people. You see, the workers weren't all that worried about the number as how that number compared to the other workers. You see, it's not that they wanted a certain amount, it's that they wanted more than what the other guys were getting. And that's how it works, doesn't it? I was talking with my friend, Pastor Ryan Irvin, this last week, and he said, I don't mind standing in line. I don't even mind if it goes slow, as long as it's not going slower than the line next to it. <laughs> and we both laughed because we knew it was true. We want to know, are we winning or are we losing? And how we decide if we're winning or losing isn't by uh, actually dictating the pace that we have, it's by comparing ourselves with what other people are doing. And, and friends, this is, this is where we live right now. This is a comparison culture. So more than ever before in the history of the world, we compare our salaries, we compare our houses, we compare our cars, we compare our bodies and our clothes and our kids and our friendships to other people on social media to figure out how am I doing? Am I coming out on top or am I behind? Am I getting what I deserve or am I getting less than I deserve? And it would be one thing if it's a fair fight, but what ends up happening is we end up comparing our lowest moments to other people's highlight reels. We end up comparing where we actually are with where other people are projecting and pretending to be. And so we always feel like we need more. It's what Brian Steele was talking about. There's this insatiable craving for more because there's always somebody with more than us. And when this is where our focus is, when this is what we choose to look for, it ends up killing our contentment. I was thinking about it like this. It's like I never knew that I hated my life until I saw yours. <laughs> I never really realized I was unhappy until I saw how happy you are. And Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy, and that's exactly what it does. If we have joy and we compare it to somebody else's, we're like, maybe I'm not as joyful as I thought I was. It's the thief that steals what's supposed to be ours because it's not what we were created for. It's so true. Comparison is the quickest way to realize that you're unhappy with the things that you previously thought you were happy with. That's my working definition. I thought it would go over better. That's okay. It's the fastest way to turn friendships into competitions. Comparison is the quickest way to turn blessings into idols because they just become another thing in our arsenal that we can hold up and show to other people. We start worshiping things that were meant to be ours as a blessing. You see, it's not that God hasn't been faithful to you. It's just that it's kind of hard to be thankful for what you have when you're scrolling through Instagram looking at pictures of people chilling on a beach in Santorini. And friends, I need you to know if this is the game that you're choosing to play, if this is what you're choosing to focus on, there's no way that you can win. There's always gonna be something else. If we just look at this story, these workers aren't frustrated because they weren't treated fairly, they're frustrated because God showed favor to somebody else. And when they chose to focus on what other people had, they lost sight of what God had faithfully given to them. This is what happens when we focus on what other people have. It becomes harder and harder for us to see what God's given to us. 
And if you're looking at what everyone else has got, it's going to become a struggle to see God's faithfulness in your life. And what this story is really doing is it's inviting us to choose what we focus on. Because this story isn't about you getting cheated. And what do I do with the fact that God hasn't given me enough? This story is where do I find my peace? Where do I find my joy? Is it by comparison or by relationship with a God who loves me? Now, I feel like this is a bit cheesy, but I couldn't find a better way to say this. You, you can either choose to focus on the gifts or you can choose to focus on the giver. You can't do both. And it's an important choice. I don't think we understand the weight of this choice because one leads to fullness and the other leads to emptiness. One leads to celebration and the other leads to competition. And I was thinking about it, and this is kind of what it looks like because each of us has a decision every second of every day. We always have the power, maybe not to change our circumstances, but we can always choose what we focus on. And this series is all about look closer, but we're always looking closer at something. So the question is really, what am I going to look closer at? Because our focus is always going somewhere. And so the choice that we have is what are we going to choose to put that focus towards? And you can choose to look at the gifts if you want. And this is kind of what that looks like. If you're looking at what do other people have, you're just kind of nervously scanning the room as, oh my gosh, did Dave just get a new boat? That thing is sweet. I wish I had a new boat. Oh my gosh, did the Joneses just do a third remodel this year? That must be incredibly expensive. I wish that I had that kind of money. Oh no, look at those kids. They are not screaming, they are not crying, they are not biting. I wish that my kids were a little bit more like that. <laughs> just kidding, Brooklyn, I love you. <laughs> Wait a minute, did Susan just get a, another promotion? Whew, she looks like she's doing pretty well for herself. I wish, I wish. I wish that I could have what they have. And the second that we move into this place where we're wishing for something that we don't have, we're not seeing what we do have. You, you see, the more that you look, the more that you see. And so if you're scanning, you are going to start getting really good at seeing the blessings in other people's lives. But the problem with that is that at the same time, you're gonna get really terrible at seeing the faithfulness that God's shown to you. It's this endless cycle of comparison, and the more the practice, the better you get. And so if you practice comparison, you're going to get really, 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 really good at comparing yourself and becoming very discontent. But on the other side, if you learn what it looks like to actually focus, because some of you are so busy trying to scan the horizon, seeing what other people have, that there's no way that you can actually see the promises that God has kept. How many of you know that this year might have been hard, but God has been faithful to you? Amen. What you look for is what you end up seeing. So if you want to see how God's been faithful to you, stop looking around at what he's doing in other people's lives and start looking at him. The cross is right here in the center of the room. Start looking at the cross. Start allowing that to be the thing that anchors you. Start allowing that to be the thing that shifts your perspective and allows you to see what you've been given. When we start to look at the cross, we start to see the faithfulness of Jesus. 
And it doesn't just change our perspective, it starts to change our vernacular and we start to say different things. We start to, we start to look at it and we say, well, God has been faithful. We say, God has been a blessing. I've seen the cross. We say, man, God has given me more than I deserve. It hasn't been an easy year, but he has been with me every single step of the way and he is shaping me, he is molding me, he is preparing me and I can see it. I can see it. God has given me more than I deserve. And when we actually focus on the cross, it doesn't matter if other people are trying to distract us. It doesn't matter if they're talking about the Johnsons getting a new AC unit and their house wasn't above 68 all last week. It's because we're not competing anymore. So that's not threatening to us. We're not threatened by other blessings. We're just looking at the cross and we're saying, well, that's really great for the Johnsons. Seriously, it is. God is so gracious, but look at what he's given to me. Look at what he's done for me. He has been so faithful. He has been so fair. He has kept every promise. He has given me what I need and more than I need. He's surrounded me with people. He's surrounded me with stories. Even this morning, I've been encouraged by seeing other people's death to life story. And sometimes that's what you need to see so that you can start to see it in your life. But that doesn't happen when we're looking around, looking to compare ourselves. That looks, or that happens when we fix our focus on the cross. What are you looking at this year? What are you looking at this morning? Because it's not a competition anymore and we need to know that it's only when we stop keeping track of what our neighbors get that we can fully enjoy the gifts that we've been given. It's only when we say, I am not going to keep track anymore. I am not going to keep score because if anything, this story is a grand declaration that the landowner who was meant to actually be the God figure in every parable, there's a God figure and there's a you figure. And in this story, the God figure is the landowner. And what he's doing is he's saying, I am not playing by the rules that everyone else is playing by. I am not impressed by how long you work today. I want to give you a full day's wage. And if it's God, I want to give you all of my love and I want to give you all of my grace and I want to give you all of my forgiveness. Not because you deserved it. Not because you earned it, but because I'm good. But this story ends with grumbling because the workers can't see what the landowner is trying to do. They can't see that the landowner has actually been fair to them. All they can see is what he's done for others. Their comparison robs them of their contentment. And this story is challenging because it forces us to ask the questions. Friends, this is the question. Do we really want good news for the world or do we just want good news for us? Do we really want blessings for those around us or do we just want blessings for me and myself and those like me? You know, oftentimes the stories that we read in the Bible have titles. I told you this one's called The Workers in the, uh, in, the, in the Vineyard. But the thing about those titles is they actually get put in later by people who are uh, some of the translators. And sometimes they don't always capture the, the heart of the story. And in this case, it's called The Parable of the Workers in the Vineyard. But it's interesting because it's not really about the workers and it's not really about the vineyard. And People get all frustrated because the story makes them feel like the payment isn't fair, but the story's not really about payment and it's not really about what's fair. It's about the landowner. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner 
This isn't talking about earth. This isn't talking about fair wages. This isn't uh, what we're supposed to project on. This is how we should treat people. This is how we should pay people. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who paid everyone the same wage. And is that fair? Absolutely not. But it's not unfair. If there's one person the story's fair to, it's the person who worked the whole day. And if there's people who it's been unfair to, it's been unfair in their favor. This story is about a God who loves people so much that he keeps going back to the market. He hires people in the morning and then he just keeps going back and he keeps finding a place. And as the day goes on, the workers become fewer and fewer and they've become picked over. So it's the people that nobody else wants. But this landowner keeps going back to the market and he keeps going back to the market and says, I'll take you and I'll take you and I'll take you. And you've been left over and you might have been looked over before and left behind, but I want you. You can go to my vineyard. I have a place for you. I have work for you. And I'm not just going to treat you fairly. I'm going to treat you unfairly and it's going to be to your favor because I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you everything that I have. I'm going to give you the full day's wage. This story's about a gift that you've been given that you could never earn. This story's that by grace you've been saved through faith so that none can boast. This story is that the good news of the gospel is that the world is not fair. Life is not fair, and that's not bad news. That's the best news in the world because it's been unfair because our God has showed us favor. The good news is that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him. This is my favorite scripture in the world. It says it, that we may declare the praises of God. We don't have to. Oh, we like to make religion into this thing about you have to go to church and you have to read your Bible, but that's not what it says. It says you are a chosen people and now you may, now you can, now you have access to God. Friends, the good news is that God isn't playing by the same rules that everybody else is. Thank God life is not fair. Thank God that God has not given us what we deserve, but what we don't deserve. The gifts that he gives aren't based on performance, they're based on love, and he is over the moon in love with you. Not just your neighbor, not just that person, I don't care what you've done, he is madly in love with you, not who you could be, but who you are right now in this moment. Wherever you're watching this, God is madly in love with you. And you need to know that none of it's fair. Life's not fair. But that's not bad news for us, it's good news. The love we receive isn't fair. The grace we've been given isn't fair. The mercy we've been shown isn't fair. Jesus on the cross wasn't fair. But I can tell you this, our God has been good. He has shown you incredible favor and we have been set free. That's why we celebrate today the fact that we have been set free. So I don't know about you, but this is what I'm gonna to choose to fix my focus on. If I have a choice in every season and every situation, I get to choose what am I going to focus on? I'm going to focus on the cross. 
In Hebrews 12, it says, I'm going to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, and I'm going to run the race marked out before me, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of my faith. And I'm going to consider him in all things so that I don't grow weary or lose heart. Friends, you might feel like God has given others more than you, but don't allow that feeling to blind you of the fact that God has given you everything that he has. And everything that you have is from him. He's been faithful. He keeps his promises. And as we close, I just want you to look at your neighbor one last time. I want you to tell him, thank God life's not fair. Thank God that I didn't get what I deserved. If you're in the chat, say, thank God that I've been set free. Thank God that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, you are here, you are active, you are moving. God, you've made us free. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. God, it's not because we're good, it's because you're good. God, help us. We are entrenched in a culture of comparison. God, this isn't just uh, for those in those seats, this is, this is for me, God. Help me to be uh, a stronger, to have the fortitude to look to the cross even when I feel like looking at a scrolling news feed to figure out where I sit. God, would I actually find that foundation in what you've said about me, not about where I slot myself in amongst those that I look at. Jesus, would that be our cry? Would we be so focused on the cross that we wouldn't be threatened by others' blessings? We would celebrate your generosity. You have been faithful. You have been good. We are forgiven. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are free. We are new creations, and we celebrate that today. We love you, Lord. This is all for you. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. So thank you.